Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the Hardware Unbox podcast. I think we're up to episode four now and we've got a few interesting things. We're going to go through a $1,000 PC build from both Steve and I. We both have not discussed these builds beforehand, so we're going to go component by component and see which one's the winner. I think that my system came out better, but anyway, you can decide. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, Starfield and NVIDIA drivers, things like that, improving performance. We've got PowerColor 7600 XT related stuff as well, whether or not that product is real or not we'll talk a little bit about and yeah just very cool chill vibes this episode not much has been happening so we take it a bit easy and just have some fun so hopefully you'll enjoy it so let's get into it well steve i have too many monitors before i came on the podcast i was cleaning up some monitors i once i finished with monitors testing them i put them in this big pile over Mm -hmm. over on the ground i was putting them away back into the boxes and i'm running out of space i got like 50 of them here at the moment which would you agree there's probably too many too many monitors it's probably about 40 too many i reckon 10's a good number 10 yeah i mean how many do i use for my desk setup i've got like 3 4 5 mm. yeah i reckon 10 mm. 10 probably makes sense so yeah too many anyway how are you going uh pretty good i'm i'm still recovering um the last few days i've been very fatigued i guess that's sort of the trailing effects of having influenza so Bit struggling for energy, um, bit of a headache today, but I'm happy to do the podcast and catch up with you. It's it's certainly nothing like it was a week or two ago, so I'm very happy to be on the mend and doing quite well and able to uh, enjoy work and do all that sort of stuff. But yeah, hopefully in about another week we'll be we'll be fighting, fitting back to normal. Yeah, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, you sound you sound a bit better than last week, so that's good. Yeah, it, it, every day's a little bit better. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's um unfortunately it's been well, fortunately, unfortunately it's been good weather at the moment. So mm. unfortunately, you haven't maybe haven't been able to go out and do as much stuff. It was, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of I had to make this room like super dark where it's actually beautiful outside right now. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to the rest of the podcast. Actually, one thing I did want to talk to you quickly before we get into these news things is mm-hmm. I watched your video yesterday, which mm-hmm. I think probably is two days old now when this video comes out. But anyway 
on the 7800 XT versus 4070. And I found the pricing thing at the end pretty interesting. I hadn't mm. really looked into too much the um, pricing of these parts in other regions. And it seems like in Australia, the 4070 is like on discounted or something. Like you was quoting prices around like 900 Aussie, which is well below $600 US when converted. So yeah, it's a bit surprising. Odd. It's, I'm not sure what's going on there because normally in Australia, at least historically, I've thought that we pay quite a heavy NVIDIA tax. Yeah. Uh, and usually the Radeon GPUs are fairly in line with the US MSRP. So, yeah, not exactly sure what's going on there, but it wasn't a situation where there was like, you know, one particularly cheap RTX 4070. There was quite a few models from various retailers available at that price, like 890 Australian dollars. And yeah, 7800 XT at about $10 less, 880. I think it's still probably for most people going to be the better value buy, but you could certainly go either way. There's a case to be made for going either way, whereas I think when there's a $100 US gap between them, it makes it very yeah. difficult to justify buying an RTX 4070. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. I mean, like 880 Australian dollars, once you remove the tax that's quoted in our prices here, mm-hmm. is the equivalent to around 530 US dollars, which means that the 5800, I mean, the not 5800 XT, the 7800 XT is slightly too expensive. Mm-hmm. And it means that the 4070 is quite a bit discounted here, which again is, as, as I said, quite quite an interesting sort of price cap. So I have to keep monitoring that one and sort of see how these launch prices go in other regions because it's not the sort of $100 US price cap that we were seeing previously. Yeah, I'd have to go have a look at historic pricing in Australia because I vaguely remember them being up around 11 maybe $1,200, but... I don't pay as much attention to the Australian pricing, so I can't remember what RTX 4070s were, you know, three, four, five months ago. Now, today we will be doing some $1,000 PC builds a bit later on, but there's a few news topics to talk about first. Mm-hmm. Um, just a couple of brief ones I want to touch on. So the first one, obviously, we've done a lot of Starfield testing lately, mm. and one of the news topics from this week is the new Starfield driver. So NVIDIA's mm-hmm. released a second game-ready driver. So they already released the first game-ready driver about a week before the game was released, even in the early access period. So they were certainly very prepared with the driver, but they've released a second one, which now enables rebar by default in the game, which does provide what they're claiming is around a 5% performance improvement on average across their products. And Mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of people have been testing it, finding good results and and things like that. does bring up a couple of questions, but have you done any testing of this so far? Are you planning on going (laughs) back and looking at the new new driver? Yeah, when the driver was first released, I thought, oh, this is a good opportunity to do a bit of an updated test, do some things that we wanted to get done but didn't get done due to time in the original content. So I did start to test. I only did the RTX 4090, and I found, I think, upwards of about 13% gains, but as little as 5%, depending on the resolution and the quality settings, whether it was medium, high, or ultra. So there's definitely a performance uplift to be had there. Uh, but yeah, I did the 4090, and then we had a few other content pieces that we were working on that had been delayed or I wanted to get done. I thought, you know what, I'm not going to go all in on Starfield again. Like, I think mentally I probably couldn't do another <laughs> round of Starfield anyway. So I was trying to talk myself into it by maybe doing just like, you know, half a dozen to a dozen GeForce GPUs of varying performance tiers and generations and in the end i thought nah i'm, I'm just not going to do it if there's another major update in the next month or so maybe we'll revisit it with a dedicated content piece there but otherwise it'll just be in the mm-hmm. you know the cpu and gpu content that we're inevitably going to do 
I think that's fair enough. I mean, they're planning a, a whole range of upgrades for the PC version over time. They sort of come out and said, mm-hmm. you know, all those things that you guys were complaining about mm-hmm. our game not having that it definitely should have had at launch, like HDR and FOV sliders and all this basic stuff. Well, we're definitely going to add that in at some point. So hopefully there's going to be a point in like a couple of months where they've added in all these crucial features that definitely should have been there. Mm-hmm. And then we can go back and have another look at it and maybe, yeah, do some updated testing and things. It is surprising, though, that the driver essentially enables rebar via a profile. Now, NVIDIA drivers, generally speaking, they sort of operate on a whitelist basis. So most games will have rebar disabled by default. And then if NVIDIA decides that they want to give you rebar, then they will enable that via the the driver profile. And you, you can go in and use you know, the NVIDIA profile inspector and enable it yourself, mm-hmm. which some people have done. There's a couple of weird things here. First of all, why wasn't rebar enabled in the original Game Ready driver, which mm-hmm. makes you wonder how much Game Ready testing was actually being done there. And should they just be enabling rebar by default in games at this point? <laughs> yeah, rebar. Man, that one caused us some headaches early on and still sort of does to this day. Uh, should they enable it by default? I don't think so. It definitely needs a proper investigation, obviously, by NVIDIA, uh, hopefully ahead of time so they can work out whether it's you know, detrimental to performance or not. Because recently I was having issues with, I'm pretty sure it was Forza Horizon, no, no, it was Horizon Zero Dawn, maybe Spider-Man. I, can't, I did a dedicated video on this, but for those that um, aren't up to speed with what I'm talking about, basically... I was getting much lower performance with uh, GeForce GPUs than some GeForce owners were reporting in a select few games. And it was because I was testing on a platform that automatically enabled resize wall bar. And in those particular games, the GeForce drivers were left to, I suppose, an auto setting um, or or on. Um, And when on, rebar was really hurting performance like lowering fps by i think it was 20 30 up to 40 percent in some instances like very massive um declines in performance because rebar was enabled whereas some other people who'd been testing those games with geforce gpus had been doing so on a system that had rebar disabled so there's a couple of levels to enabling slash disabling rebar so i suppose level one that um turns it on it may not necessarily be on, depending on what the driver's doing, is obviously resizable bar on in the driver, uh, sorry, in the BIOS. And if it's turned off in the BIOS, then it's just off. Doesn't matter what the driver wants, whether it wants it on or off or whatever, it's just off. So if you have a motherboard that defaults to off and you don't manually turn it on, then f- under all conditions, resizable bar is off. So in games where resizable bar hurts performance, you're not going to see that problem. There was all that hoo-ha about whether or not we should test with resize or bar a few years ago we eventually decided to change over knowing that it was going to cause some headaches which it absolutely has done Uh, so now we test with it on by default and then it's up to the the driver to work out whether or not it's enabled and you know you said nvidia has a whitelist and that's what they claimed from day one we tested i want to say about 30 games on day one and found that for at least I th- about half a dozen of them, performance did go backwards. So in those instances, you would think that they would be blacklisted and it would not be turned on there. Anyway. Uh, bit of a weird one. Bit of a weird one. But yeah, it, because, it, because it can have such a massive impact on performance, I don't think it should be on by default. It should be something that is looked into and worked out. But, but yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn, that game had been out for 
ages and had resizable bar had been creating all kinds of performance related headaches there and it was it was over a year before that actually got addressed and it's yeah. a game that's commonly benchmarked with i would have thought that as part of like the game ready process you know as they go through and they implement all their profile optimizations that definitely assessing whether rebuy is beneficial or detrimental is something that they would be going through and testing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just seems like there's some things that have slipped through the cracks. Obviously, Horizon Zero Dawn in the negative sense, it should have been disabled. And then Starfield, where it probably should have been enabled from the beginning and probably would have made a bit of a a bit of a difference in some of those benchmark charts. Like everyone's benchmark Starfield at this point that Mm -hmm. has typically speaking AMD performing a bit better than we'd normally see. Yeah, a lot better, and I'd say. Yeah, now we're seeing, you know, NVIDIA could be getting an extra 5 to 10%. How much did you say, like 13%, up to 13%? Yeah, I, I saw an instance of around 13% um, at, at the high end. I think minimum um, uplift was 5%. But again, I'd only tested the 4090. So, yeah, you, yeah. you're going to see different results on different generations of products and different tiers of products. But, yeah. Yeah, I think they missed a trick a little bit there. but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Another thing I want to touch on, a bit of a rumor. Great that we have a podcast now that we can talk about this stuff, which is great. Yeah, we never discuss um, rumors, do we? Yeah, so I, I saw a topic on video cards about a supposed AMD Radeon RX 7600 XT mm. featuring supposedly 10 or 12 gigabyte memory configurations. And this comes from a power color filing to the EEC. So that's one of those, you know, regulatory bodies where you have to submit your products saying we meet all the relevant standards and stuff. Um, it sounds like power color has submitted these cards. Now, having analyzed a little bit of where I would think a 7600 XT would fit into the lineup, I think that this product doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I think we'll run through a few things in a moment. I think it wouldn't make any sense for them to release this product. So my guess is that PowerColor is just preemptively submitting some names of products so that it makes it a little easier for them in the future in case AMD does suddenly come out and make a product like this. Um, but just from, you know, I don't have any inside sources. I'm, I'm sure that you can say what you know as well, but it's we don't have any inside information that there's like a 7600 XT just around the corner. Mm-hmm. It's, this sounds a bit BS. Would How do you sort of see it just initially? Uh, yeah, well, it could be anything, but... It does seem like it's probably not happening anytime soon just because we've heard nothing and we usually get information on this sort of stuff. We sort of catch wind of it few yep. few members well in advance. Um, so, yeah, it's it's unlikely to be coming um, in the next few months, mm-hmm. but anything's possible. But yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah I, I don't know if I, don't know if I want to say it's BS, but... Uh, I can unlikely. I, I cannot confirm nor deny. Basically, um, well, let's run some through some of the stuff to why that I okay. am reasonably comfortable calling it um, BS, and that, that the reason that I have is that now you look at the market, seventy six hundred is priced at two hundred and seventy dollars, seventy seven hundred XT is four hundred and fifty dollars. There's obviously a nice hole in the middle around three hundred and fifty ish US dollars to fit in some sort of product, and ideally they would have that. The issue, though, is that the RX 7600 is the full Navi 33 die. So it uses all of the, I think it's 32 compute units oh, for that's that right. die. Yeah, that's right. It's, a, yeah. it's like a monolithic die, I suppose you would say. Yeah, so that's a fully enabled version of that product, whereas previously we'd seen, you know, like a, a 6600 would be a cut-down version of the 6600 XT, so there's actually would be room to have the XT model. But with this generation... They haven't done that. They've just gone full, 
all out with the, with mm-hmm. the full configuration, which means that if they were to release some sort of 7600 XT, it'd have to be a cut down Navi 32 die in some fashion. They've already cut it down from 60 to 54 compute units with the 7700 XT. And the maximum that we've really seen cut down from AMD's RDNA products has been like Navi 21 was cut down from about 80 to 60 compute units, so about mm. 75% cut down. Mm-hmm. But that's a fairly sizable reduction. And especially with the chiplet design, there's question marks over how many like how many defective dies would they even get? They could probably all just be 7700 XTs. So by the time you're starting to look at like, could they cut it down to 46 compute units or something like that, which would be a 75%-ish cut down, you're talking about a pretty sizable reduction, could still be expensive to manufacture. And yeah, I just don't really see that being a super compelling product like they'd have to price it quite low around sort of that $350 mark could be too expensive to make mm. just doesn't sound like a product that would really like they wouldn't surely they wouldn't cut down their second highest die right down to the level of a $350 product just doesn't sound right to me would they go with another custom die another dice for that specific product I seriously doubt it it wouldn't really make sense yeah. like that would make more sense for like a 7700 XT type product uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, they went with the chiplet design there. Yeah, I think they sort of could have been a bit hamstrung with the, they kind of needed to make the 7600 a full Navi 33 die for it to be the level of performance that it needed to be. Yep. Like already at launch, it wasn't a super compelling product. So <laughs> at least at its um, you know MSRP. So if they'd cut that down further to enable a 7600 XT, it just wouldn't have worked out super well at all. Mm. Um, and of course, there's plenty of RDNA 2 silicon available at $350. So there's not really the need for the product anyway. Like you could just buy a 6700 XT around that price, offers pretty compelling performance. It's already got 12 gigabytes of memory, so you're not exactly being left behind with like 8 gig of memory. It's, it's still there. Yeah, and if anything, they can reduce that gap as well. Like the 7700 XT will no doubt find its way down towards $400. I imagine that will start happening quite soon given the sort of sales discrepancies that we're seeing between the, the mm-hmm. higher-end model and the, the 7700 XT. The 7800 XT is like good demand. Yeah, the 7700 XT not so much yep. at least. Yeah, based on what we've heard. Yeah, interesting one. I think that the AMD lineup will probably mostly remain as is um for now they might do like a 50 xt i don't know something in the future overclock them or something mm-hmm. um but yeah there just doesn't seem like there's that flexibility with their lineup and configurations this generation to do much more than what they've done mm-hmm. um which again yeah probably should focus on you know just improving things like a 7700 xt and getting the launch price right and things like that but we covered that last podcast I, with not much news happening this week, I thought it would be a bit of fun to go through and we'll build a theoretical, we haven't actually built it physically, but a $1,000 PC bill. See, what can we do at the moment for $1,000 US? So I have built a, a system on PC Part Picker and I know you have as well and we mm-hmm. have not discussed this at all before mm-hmm. coming on this podcast and I'm very interested to see which of these systems will end up being uh, better because I've done some... Uh, min maxing let's say <laughs> really well i went <laughs> for stuff. i went for very boring predictable uh, i i think you could quite comfortably guess what i've gone with the configuration i've selected i think it's a pretty good system 
but yeah, also Tim hit me with this this morning while I was wrapping up another video. So I didn't, ex I, I went with the obvious option because it was already there and everything. I didn't have a lot of time to do some research and see what other deals were going on. But I'm that aside, I'm confident that my system will blow Tim's system out of the water. Okay. That, that'll be interesting. Um, so just on this, obviously, $1,000 budget here as sort of the setup, n not $1,001, so it has yeah. to be under $1,000 because obviously there's always that creep thing that can come in like, oh, you know, I could put in an extra part. It's only $1,005. No, hard limit, no peripherals or windows price or monitors included in this price either. So it's just the effectively building a new tower PC. And even though I've done a little bit of min-maxing, I'm still sort of thinking a little bit about like, you know, a realistic system someone would buy so for example i probably wouldn't be building a system with a dead end platform at the moment mm -hmm. probably probably not so, a recommended path shots fired at 5800 x3d owners there Oh, 5800 x3d is a great upgrade <laughs> if you've already got an aim for yeah, system yeah, no, it doesn't make sense to buy it now though it, <laughs> it, it, as, as a brand new system it doesn't make sense it's a great upgrade option we'll go part by part um, i guess we'll probably start with the cpu which i'm guessing we've chosen the same cpu so I'm just putting that out there to begin with. What CPU did you end up going with? Well, there's really only a few options from Intel and really one option from AMD. And the 7500F isn't available yet. So I went with the 7600, Ryzen 5 7600. Yes, I did as well. Okay, so, so what was that, 220 for you? 220 yep. in my PC part picker list here. So yep. that's a that's a reasonable chunk of the, the, the budget there. But yeah, I mean, so, I think at this point, you probably would be buying an AM5 system. Um, well, as expected, Tim and I are both AMD fanboys, AMD shills. We've both gone down the AMD path, so surprise, surprise. But no, I agree. Uh, AM5 should have some good legs in it. I, I think for a, a system like this, it just makes sense because you get that upgrade path, and if you get like a couple of years from now a, an equivalent 5800X3D that you can drop into this very system, that's that's going to serve you quite well. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, the Intel options around this price, you know, usually you've got like your, your F model Core i5s and things like that, which are well priced. Like the, I think the 13400F right now is about $200 US. So it's a little cheaper than the 7600. And obviously you can get similar motherboard and memory prices and things like that. So you could save a little bit of money going Intel, but I just, you know, you've got the 14th gen upgrade there. The rumors are sort of suggesting that's not going to be a huge upgrade path for people. And I just feel like if I was personally building a new system and I wasn't going like extreme min-max, I was never going to upgrade this system, that I do want the ability to upgrade to Zen 5. Especially yeah. like I would imagine a 7600, like a Zen 5 X3D part is going to be a fairly substantial performance improvement. I would have thought so, yeah. And also while the Ryzen 5 7600 is more expensive than say a 13400F, it's also faster for, for gaming and stuff like that. So I think it's the better buy. Yeah, and obviously being a six core part as well, we don't really need eight cores. You know, the whole core debate, this this processor does have the overall performance to run modern games. You know, we've seen, you know, titles like Starfield and so forth, the sort of you know, they do use a fair bit of CPU resources, but a six core is still fine. And even with the comments around things like Cyberpunk 2077 supposedly maxing out eight cores, it depends what sort of eight core we're talking about. Do they mean a 3700X, which is a lot slower than a 7600 and things like that? It, it, that remains to be seen. So mm -hmm. I still think that a lot of people, especially buying in this $1,000 range, will be very happy with just a six core processor. And it certainly gives you a lot more room uh, for the GPU. Now, I 
I'm also guessing that we've chosen the same motherboard, but <laughs> I'm interested to hear. I'd be surprised if we have. Okay, what what did you end up going with? I went with the ASRock B650M Pro RS, and I reckon you probably went with the HDV based on my recommendation. Yes, I did. <laughs> I looked at your so I looked at your video. I went on this morning. I was like, Steve's got a great B650 video <laughs> where you've tested 35 boards. Which one does he say is the best cheap board? Because I really need a cheap board once I put the GPU in. I'm like, well, okay, don't have much left. So, yes, I went with the HDV. You went with the Pro RS. So you're the motherboard man. Who's made the right choice here? Um, well, they're both good boards that work well, but the Pro RS just has a few extra features and I came in a little bit under budget and I've always advocated for if you've got a little bit more money, you know, spend a little bit more on your motherboard because we're both uh, recommending or building this system for its longevity, its, its, its future upgrades. So if you are planning on keeping it for three four, five years, and you want to slot a new CPU years down the track from now, having a slightly better motherboard with a few extra features can be beneficial. Off the top of my head, I don't know really how much better the Pro RS is than the HDV. You'd have to compare them side by side, but I know it's got a few extra things and it's a little bit better. Uh, I believe you get like four memory slots, whereas you only get two on the HDV. Um, slightly better yep. cooling, slightly better performance. It's like it's not night and day different, but what was your board? What did it cost? 125, I would have guessed. Yes, 125 US. Yes. So how much more was the Pro RS? Well, 140. I think it's probably it's $15. More. I think it's yeah. I think it's well and truly worth the $15. I think um, again, we'd have to compare them side by side. I it, think the two the two dim slots is probably the most limiting factor there, which is sort of yeah. There's sort of always the discussion, should you go like 16 gig or 32 gig of memory? If you do go with like a two by eight gig configuration on that board, you're obviously going to be very limited in your upgrade paths. You're going to have to swap out the entire memory kit mm -hmm. to go with 32 gig, which is obviously an issue there. Um, I mean, it's got, it still does have some reasonable features. Like it does have 2.5 gig LAN, which is handy if that's your sort of thing. A few USB ports, but it, obviously it lacks premium features. Like there's no Wi-Fi it's only got a couple of M.2 slots, micro ATX, so it's not it's not got a heap of expansion or anything like that. So if you were going to upgrade to like a workstation type build in the future, like you're going to swap out the 7600 for like a 7950X, it's not really suited to that sort of platform. So mm -hmm. yeah, ideally, if I had a bit more budget, I would have pushed up to a slightly more premium motherboard with a few extra features, but I couldn't afford to do that at all because my system is pretty much bang on. <laughs> Yeah. $1,000 mark. Yeah, now the, the board you've gone with is very good. Like, it's questionable whether mine's worth the upgrade, but yeah, just the dim slots and a few things like you talked about. But yeah, I could fit it in my budget, so why the hell not? Yeah, I think that's fair enough. So the GPU, this is why my system has been min-maxed, is that I have put into my system a Radeon RX 6800. Ooh, that's okay. 16 gigs. So the XFX Speedster Swift. It's SWFT. Yeah, yep. The Swift. Swift. No, that's a well-known one. 319. Yep. So it's $430 at the moment, which I think is a pretty good price. What GPU did you end up getting for your I system? spent $320 on the PowerColor uh, 6700 XT. So a slight downgrade compared to you. So I'm interested to see what compromises you made for that to happen. Did you just go with the box CPU cooler, did you? I, I might have. <laughs> So you probably you probably uh, got a much better well, cooler there. I managed to pick up the Cooler Master Hyper 212 Black Edition uh, for twenty five dollars mm -hmm. on on sale. Normally fifty dollars. Yeah, 
yeah, you see, I've kind of I've kind of made a few errors there because I think if I was actually building this system, I would choose something like that. Yeah, the box score is not good money. with the 7600. But having said that, I would rather have an RX 6800 and then spend an extra $25 later on to get the box cooler. That's a target to get the upgraded Cooler Master Cooler to replace the box cooler. So I would argue that yes. you've gone. What about, what about your storage? What storage do you have, Tim? Well, we'll talk about storage in a moment because okay. I wanted to talk about. Well, actually, actually, no, I want to talk about. Um, I'm taking over here, Tim. Memory. What memory? Because uh, that's it. That's an important one given the CPU that we're using here. Okay, so you want me to reveal the memory? I'd love <laughs> you to. It's not that bad. Um, I I was looking at pricing and I saw that 32 gig makes a lot more sense than 16 gig. Yep. You don't save that much, and the 16 gig kits, so like the two by eight gig stuff, often has much worse like memory frequencies and timings and stuff. It's a lot of like DDR5 4800 type stuff. Mm. So I've gone with a 32 gig, 2 by 16 gig kit of DDR5 6000 CL36 memory okay. from Patriot, okay. which was priced at $80 US on Newegg. Okay. So that's really like I, I was trying to save as much money as possible there. I would probably buy CL30 normally because it's only a little bit more expensive. I think it was $25 more, which absolutely you should get. <laughs> but yeah, I've, yeah. Done ex- I've done virtually exactly what you have done. You know, DDR5 6000, mine's CL38, but mine could be lower latency. I don't know what the secondary and timings and all that are, but it's I've, I've essentially gone for the same memory at the same price as you, mine's, yeah, Team Group, T-Create, Expert, 32-gigabyte kit. So we, we've done basically the same thing there. I would have thought that, yeah, we'd probably get something pretty similar. Again, like 16 gig, and even for gaming, like I think these days we would probably be recommending 32 gig over 16 gig for gaming at the moment. Especially, I oh, don't go 16, not on a new computer. No, don't yeah. Do it. And again, like I've gone with the ASRock B650M HDV, which means that if I had gone 16 gig, uh, <laughs> no upgrade path, can't add more in because it's only got two DIMM slots. No, you'd have to sell um, it and get another kit. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, I think the memory there, yeah, it sort of, it's okay. Back on the GPU though, when I was looking at the the research for this, NVIDIA just has nothing. Like I was obviously considering the 6700 XT as well, and there are just no NVIDIA products that I could justify putting into this $1,000 system. Yeah, I mean, that's been the case with NVIDIA for years now, to be perfectly honest. They've they've just not been interested in competing down at the... Uh, the low end no peasant class gpus for us they yeah, just don't, they don't they're not interested i mean the, the new options are obviously the 4060 ti in this sort of price class or the 4060 if you sort of more yeah, down you, around 300 dollars. yeah which are like you know 400 plus so you just wouldn't buy a 4060 ti and even the old stuff like i was thinking oh wouldn't it be interesting like i was predicting that you would pick an amd gpu so i was kind of thinking like naturally would it be wouldn't it be fun to put an NVIDIA GPU in this just for a bit of fun? But even then, I'm like, I can't justify like a 3070 in this sort of system. I like didn't a 3070. Even, yeah, I didn't even look because I know that they're just not an option. 6700 XTs are better buy than the 3070. I mean, it depends on what price the 3070 is, I suppose. I think um, they're about $380 sort of the cheapest ones new. 
on places cool. like Newegg, which is pretty expensive. Yeah. So, so I don't, have you already told me, what did your 6800 XT, uh, sorry, your 6800 cost? $430. Yeah, okay. So, so that's $110 more than mine. I wonder if that actually turns out to be good value or not. I'm not sure. Yeah, and so like the cost per frame level versus the 6700 XT. Mm-hmm. Um, that card will age well, though. Yeah, I mean, 16 gigabytes of memory is obviously a key selling point here. And I think all of our discussions about VRAM in the past has sort of led us to not really want to be spending $400 on a GPU that has got only eight gigabytes of memory, which Mm. is sort of the last generation NVIDIA options. It's a little disappointing to miss out on things like AV1 encoding. Whether or not I'd use that is is questionable. DLSS Mm -hmm. as well, especially as I'd probably be using a system like this for 1440p gaming. And I've sort of said in the past that at least I believe DLSS is quite a bit better for 1440p than FSR. In this budget, what are you going to do? Like your options an yeah. RX 7600, which is a pretty garbage product next to a 6700 XT. Yeah, that's right. If you go new and then obviously the NVIDIA products, you're sort of tossing up, well, I get DLSS, but then I've only got eight gigabytes of VRAM, which is sort of already going to, as you've proven in many videos now, that that sort of is going to be a problem for mm-hmm. some sort of um, configurations. Uh, especially, and, and if some games. Yeah, especially if you're building a computer today. I mean, if you're getting an eight gigabyte graphics card for less than $200, then that's fine. But if you're paying, yeah, of course. If you're paying $400 or even $300, pretty rough. Yeah, and I think that's why we've started to see some price movement and price cuts for some of these GPUs, like the 4070 coming down a bit more from 600 I think. Yeah, 550. 550 there's one available at, so... Yeah, the 4060 we'll size come down a bit. Yeah, we'll see if we get more dropping down at that price and if they hold there. But yeah, that's that's a definitely a better price. I mean, we always sort of said that card should be more like $500 um, in today's yeah. market. Obviously, the 16 gig thing was very funny to see that, you know, right now, obviously, you can go on Newegg and there's quite a few models actually available at $450 for the 4060 Ti 16 gig. Mm-hmm. And at the launch of the product, NVIDIA was like, it definitely costs $100 more to give you 16 gigabytes of VRAM because of you know the extra PCB requirements and traces. And obviously, we had to go with the clamshell design of the memory configuration. stuff. So that's very expensive, guys. Like, yeah, they're very adamant about that. More. <laughs> yeah, that didn't last too long, did it? So look, it, in, NVIDIA, to their credit, they're probably losing $50 every sale. <laughs> Yeah, the the margins on those cards, they're they're really crying as they get dropped from like a sixty percent margin to a fifty five percent margin or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're getting rolled. Well, it's not a it's not a five thousand percent margin, so they're not happy with that. Why would you? Why would you be? Yeah, I think Nvidia has got a bit of work to do to convince people in that three hundred and four hundred dollar price tier, and it's probably why AMD is sort of thinking about not releasing high end products next year and just focusing on this price range because obviously they've got some success to some degree in this in this price range they've got options that people are buying and, and are willing to buy shall we move on to the rest of the build because obviously if i've spent 110 dollars more on my gpu i've made some uh sacrifices yeah well, you've, uh, only, you've only well you've you've saved 25 dollars on the cooler and you've saved 15 dollars on the motherboard so you're you're a 40 dollar saving on mm-hmm. those two parts uh, but yeah, there's obviously um what what's the situation here, Tim? Are you only able to install one game at a time? What's going on? Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty <laughs> much. So the, the SSD I've chosen is the Samsung 970 Evo Plus. I really wanted to get the one terabyte version in here. I definitely would recommend people to buy the one terabyte version, but doing so put me over budget. So I've got the five hundred gig version, which is only thirty dollars. Yeah, which okay. Is 
that's quite affordable. Yeah, not not a good buy by any stretch of the stretch of the imagination, but also better than what I thought you were gonna you're gonna come up with there. I thought we might be looking at a one twenty eight or two fifty six gigabyte drive if they're even still available these days. No, so the issue I had was like, again, I want to make this as realistic as possible without with still doing some a bit of min maxing to get that GPU in there. Five hundred gig is not great. Like you definitely mm. ideally would not have a 500 gig boot drive, but you can install more storage. It's easier to upgrade than some other parts. So there's that. The other thing was that the Samsung 970 Evo does have DRAM. So if you were to use it as a boot drive, it will be a little more performant than if you got the DRAMless drives that are often a lot of the super budget stuff. So that was a consideration. And again, sometimes when you go to like the super, super, like 128 gig, super cheap, $10 SSDs, you're sort of not only sacrificing capacity, but you're sacrificing your DRAM cache as well. And then often they won't even give you like good quality NAND either. You'll be like on QLC or something, which is super slow. So this drive will give you performance. So you will be able to use it as a Windows boot drive. It just doesn't give you any capacity at all. So you install Windows and Starfield or something and that's it. So what did you end up going with for your SSD? I imagine it's a lot better. Well, I, it's certainly bigger. Uh, I, cause we, we don't do a whole lot of, we do, well, let's be honest. We do no SSD content at Harbor Unbox, So we're not, we're not storage experts. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot going on in the storage industry for the most part, but I went with the crucial P3, uh, one terabyte drive, which how much did you say yours cost? $30. Okay. So I spent a whole $14 more to double the capacity over you. A normal buyer is definitely making that choice. Yeah. And I think the P3 is a decent boot drive. Um, I could be wrong about that, yep. but I think it's a decent I think so. one. Yeah. I was just, I, I hadn't really, like, like you say, we don't really do SSD testing on the channel. I'm shocked at how cheap these drives are. Mm. Like one terabyte for, you said you spent $14 more. So the price must be like like $45. Uh, $44, yeah. For one terabyte of SSD storage. Mm -hmm. Like that's a couple of years ago, that was like hundreds of dollars. Yeah, I think these days two terabytes are sort of the sweet spot. But uh, over the last year, DRAM and NAND pricing has just fallen off a cliff. So that's, uh, and that's, part of what I covered in my why building a new PC now is actually a pretty good time to do it because there are, you know, a lot of the other components are at an all-time low, at least for the, the life cycle of those particular components. So yeah, storage cheap, memory cheap. We complain about GPU prices, but I've put an RX 6800 in this and it was only $430, yeah, which I think okay. It's a three-year-old product though. <laughs> it is. It's the oldest product it. basically in there. It is. It launched at $580. So I guess it sort of has come down in, in price, yeah, but well, not as much as like SSDs and stuff. I've gone with a cheaper GPU than you. And it's by far my most expensive component. And it's also, I believe, my the oldest component in my system. A bit of an indictment on the market, isn't it? That we're building a new PC in 2023 and both of us have chosen three-year-old GPUs, which are still available and are very well priced. And there doesn't seem to be any like run out on them. Like there's still plenty of them. Yep. So Yeah, it's because the new ones suck, let's be honest. Um, yeah, the new just, ones suck. They, value for money, they suck. So obviously I've had to cut down on my uh, case as well. Well, a little so bit have here. I, yeah, so have I. So I chose the cheapest case that you could possibly get on PC <laughs> Part Picker, the Thermaltake. Ver I, I know absolutely nothing about this 
case. Yeah. Thermaltake Versa H17, it's a micro ATX case. So thankfully, my motherboard is a micro ATX motherboard. Otherwise, I would have been totally screwed here. Yep. It costs $40. The GPU I checked just fits, just fits with it, like a centimeter of space, theoretically. Okay. Um, but it seems like a very basic product. Well, you've done Very a bit more basic. due diligence than I have. We ended up spending the same amount of money. So, okay. yeah, my case is technically $70, but we, we did allow um, mail-in rebates, didn't we? And yes. Yeah. Mine has a mail-in rebate of $30. So, um, okay. that, that so what did you get? 40. I got, and you'll be familiar with this case because I know I was, uh, <laughs> the Magnum Gear Neo V2. It actually looks pretty good. First of all, definitely I've heard of that. Uh, case no i definitely have never heard of even that brand i guess maybe i'm just out of touch because Uh, i'm not a a case reviewer well we're definitely out of touch on the case front there's no doubt about that but yeah uh the the neo 2 looks uh the neo v2 looks pretty good certainly i think a good buy for 40 dollars after that mail-in rebate which you'll probably get back in about two years time yeah so does it how many like does it come with any fans installed in the case i'm sure it comes with all the fans all uh, the fa- all the fans populated. Uh, I know <laughs> nothing about this case. Uh, a bit right, like, let's move on then, so we don't like embarrass you, ourselves. A bit like you at Field. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was at the right price point. Um, no idea about fans. Maybe two in the front. I'm going to say two in the front. That's, that that feels good. That feels good. I know mine only has one in the rear, <laughs> so yeah, for cooling, maybe not great. I don't think it would pass the gamers Nexus cooling standards all that well because it's got like a clo- largely nah. closed off front panel. Yeah, we're, we're going more down the build zoid kind of path there. Cook the, like, cook the components? Well, he just puts them on the motherboard box or whatever. He's a bit old school like that. I like it. Yeah, I was thinking of that because if I could put the components on the motherboard box and call that a case, then I saved $40 and I could have upgraded at least the storage to one terabyte, which would have been much more sensible. Mm-hmm. But I thought that's kind of cheating. It's kind of cheating the test. So I thought I'm not going to do that. That's kind of not great. So I did go with the case. And at least for me personally, I would probably spend more money on a case. I know it's an easy way to just cut the budget significantly because premium cases, they cost like $100, $150 for something that's reasonable. Um, I probably wouldn't buy a micro ATX case just because if you do upgrade in the future to a different motherboard and you want to do like an ATX board upgrade, because a lot of the more premium boards are ATX, then you, you have to do a, then a case upgrade as well. So mm-hmm. that's generally the reason why I wouldn't buy something like that. I typically go with sort of the mid-tower style thing, nothing super large, more airflow oriented. So this is definitely not a case that I would buy for my system, but it is very cheap. Yeah, so. a lot of people like micro ATX because it fits in their desk or they're set up well. And there's there's generally a, a reasonable amount of um, micro ATX options. And just um, I did a quick bit of research for you, Tim. My case does come with a pair of 120 millimeter fans so i was right with my assumption yes i was correct there's two in the that's, front that's pretty good so i, I yeah given that it was only 40 dollars, if i'd done more research i probably should have put that case in instead of the case that i put in well it's got because my uh, it's got dual tempered glass it, tempered glass what? it's got sandblasted aluminium sort of wrapped around it to give it a nice finish uh yeah it's quite a nice case it weighs in at eight kilograms uh, it's got seven expansion slots. It's it's got everything, mate. I reckon this is the case. I, I think I've I think I've won this just through the case. I mean, the fact that it comes with one more fan than my system and tempered glass. My one just has one of those very basic, like metal 
normal mm. side panels. It usually is on the back of the case, but this is on both sides. Um, yeah, I think your case is probably definitely the winner there, but again, yeah. maybe should have done more research. But this leaves the the power supply, which I all up, I only had $75 left to Ooh. use on the power supply. Ooh. So we're talking low-tier stuff. I went with the EVGA 700BR, which is a 700-watt, 80-plus bronze certified power supply from EVGA. Okay. So I didn't go with the like no-name right. no brand. It's not obviously super 80-plus certified. Bronze is still okay. I'm not a power supply reviewer, so people will be furiously typing comments about how I know nothing about them in, down below. But You're misleading um, people for sure right now. Yeah. A quick Google search that took me all of one minute mm-hmm. led me to believe that this is a low-end slash budget power supply. Sounds right. So, again, I probably could have gone with something a bit more premium and higher up in the PSU tier list. But it's EVJ. They're a reputable company. Yeah, well, I've clearly come out head and shoulders above you on this one because mine is gold certified. And that is a big, okay, that's a big deal, I'm sure. Uh, it is fully modular and I've got an mm-hmm. extra 50 watts to play with. So 80, okay. 80 plus gold certified. It is the Corsair RM750E. It's the, it's the 2023 model. So... It's got the facelift, okay. all the new, uh, all the new features. Uh, That's a much better power supply. Hundred dollars. I, I, I think maybe it probably is. <laughs> I, I don't know. We don't, we don't cover power supplies, but I, th- yeah. I think for hundred bucks, that's a good deal. I would probably buy that over. Like again, if I was building the system normally and I would could stretch the budget a little bit, I probably would use a power supply like that. Again, you're saying it's only twenty five dollars more, so. Again, it seems like a pretty good deal. But yes, this EVGA power supply is not modular, so you've got to chuck all your cables in there somewhere. The RM series is a step above, so I think Corsair's got the CM series is sort of their budget equivalent to sort of these EVGA BR series power supplies. So the RM series, yeah, again, it's a bit more, I guess, higher tier, so it's probably a bit more efficient. Obviously, the, the 80 plus stand's a bit higher there. And 750 watts, again, I've got a 700 watt power supply, so potentially it's going to give you similar longevity, but again, 50 watts, a little bit better, but we're not power supply reviewers. So I'm just assuming all of this stuff. Safe to assume, Tim. So in summary, yours will definitely generate a few more frames than mine. It'll be a a healthy little uptick there until it burns out. So mine won't burn (laughs) out. Uh, and I can have twice as much RAM, which I'm sure will be a point uh, important at some point in the future. You'll have to buy a new motherboard uh, or a new memory kit. And I have twice as much storage, so I can fit like more copies of hmm. Starfield on mine than you can. Yes, and you've got a better case as well, although we spent about the same amount of money. So, yeah, I mean, in total, my system cost $999.92. So if I couldn't find a slightly cheaper of anything that I was looking at, this whole system would have fallen apart and I would have had to like revert to a 6750 XT or something like that. So I've just managed to get it under $1,000. Again, though, I would spend $100 more in total on this system to upgrade a variety of the components. So I think just getting that one terabyte SSD, slightly better motherboard, um, slightly better case, slightly better power supply is probably the way to go. So for you, you, what was your total system cost in the end? Mine was 969 Yeah, so I think that's – yours is certainly a more balanced build, should I say? Like there's fewer things that need immediate upgrades in your yeah, build. Yeah, what I, what I would do if if – if I wasn't as constrained on the budget front, 
I'd spend an extra $25 to get that CL30 memory because that gives you a nice yes. little boost. Uh, it's more when you are CPU limited, but of course, if you're playing esports titles and stuff, you will notice the uh, extra CPU performance there. I'd probably go for like a two terabyte version of the drive because I'm sure that's not you know that much more expensive. It'll be double at most. Um, that's not a big, you know, it's an extra maybe $40 and, and that's a lot better. Uh, I'm, I think I'm happy with the case. I might just buy this case, you know, to, to see how good it is. Uh, as for the graphics card, I don't think I'd upgrade that either because I'm not convinced yours is better in terms of cost per frame. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I think mine's a really good value option. I think if anything, I would probably go from $320 up to $500, so another $180 to get myself a 7800 XT. Uh, and and that's about it. So so what do we got there? We got twenty five dollars on the memory, maybe forty dollars on the SSD, and then if I wanted to really take to the next level, hundred eighty dollars on the graphics card. But that's just going a whole different tier of performance. But I, I think that would probably be worth it because it's not a huge increase. But if you're stretching the budget to get to about a thousand dollars, then yeah, that's right. I think yeah, it's interesting. Obviously. It sounds like you've chosen your GPU based on more of a cost per frame thing, whereas I was just going, what's the best graphics card I can fit into this system and a bit less concerned about the cost per frame stuff. I do think the 6700 XT is better cost per frame. So mm. if you were going more sort of, I have around $1,000 and I want something that's got good bang for buck value, then certainly your build is more that. It's got more yeah. bang for buck components. <clears throat> and especially if you spent that little bit more on some of the components to get the ultimate value sort of things, then that's more in line. Whereas I think for me, you basically have to do everything you said, but also it would make even more sense to upgrade the GPU because going from $430 to $500 on a 7800 <laughs> XT, it isn't that much more. No, you would have to do that. The 6800 is not the, it's just not it. Uh, I think I think with my own personal bias, because you know I have to be right, I think if you had to live with these systems as they are and you couldn't alter them in any way, mine is the better system. I agree. Because I think that yours, it, well, it's more balanced. Yeah, so, well, you have to do less shuffling of data on your primary drive that hopefully you'd be playing games off and not a crappy hard drive. Well, we um, can't add a hard drive because well, we have, have to keep drive. this build. Ma- yeah, maybe have external drive or something. I don't know. But yeah, so you have to do less shuffling of games. Um, uh, or, or just you can install games and I have to delete them and then re-download them. So it's much more practical in that sense. And that that's a big one. That can't be overstated how annoying it is not having enough storage. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so from that perspective, it's far more practical. It'll be much more quiet because you don't have to rely on the box cooler whizzing away in there. Yeah, um, And maybe a bit more flexibility with the motherboard. But I think it's the, the cooler and the, the storage if you had to mm-hmm. live with it day to day, would be the things that you would regret most. Yes, and if I was going to make a, a case for my system as to why it, why it is best, my one will perform better mm-hmm. day one because of the sixty eight hundred versus the sixty seven hundred XT. Mm-hmm. It's not wor- it's not going to be worlds different. Obviously, it is a faster GPU. I think it's about twenty percent like faster, that. maybe. But CPU performance is obviously going to be identical. Memory capacity is identical as well between our systems. So we're not going to be running into you know, stuttering issues because I've accidentally gone with a super low CPU or anything like that. Yeah, my, my system does have the better out-of-the-box performance. But I think if I was going to choose these systems, again, we couldn't upgrade them or anything, I would choose your build. But my build is better if you have $1,000 right now, you want the best performance and you're going to worry about upgrading all the stuff that I accidentally sacrificed later, like SSD and stuff, then my one would have you know more room for that mm-hmm. while being good now. But mm. 
yeah, again, I typically don't build my systems like this. I always like doing the min-max thing because I know that some builders do do this where they will, will prioritize GPU and then just cut everything else down as, much, as low as mm-hmm. possible. I think like my, my very first gaming PC that I built was something that was basically that. Like mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. how good can I get the GPU and then I'm just going to figure out everything else later. Um, yeah. But normally I wouldn't do that. Well, yeah, it's not your strategy is not terrible to be honest. It, based on my fifteen game average at fourteen forty p, your GPU ended up being twenty six percent faster. Uh, okay, and you know it, that that puts the cost per frame of mine only a little bit ahead. Not terrible. And the seventy hundred XT offers the exact same cost per frame. Uh, you just get a bit more performance for a bit more money, and then the newer features like AV one, which are talked about, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I still think. That they're, yeah, I'm probably skimping a little bit on the build and I'd probably still take some of your advice about upgrading the components, potentially the GPU as well. Now mm-hmm. that we know it's a bit more sort of similar-ish cost per frame, I still think the 7800 XT does have some additional benefits like AV1 encoding and things like it's slightly more power efficient or is it similar in power efficiency? I'm not sure. Maybe that doesn't count. But yeah, the nearest thing from NVIDIA right now because you can kind of ignore the RTX 3070 at $400 because... You can get the 4060 Ti for that. Well, the 4060 Ti is a smidgen slower, but more power efficient, new features, all that sort of stuff, frame generation, I suppose. Um, yeah. So, but that's, you, you're looking at quite an increase in the cost per frame over something like a, well, what we've picked or a 7800 XT. All right. Well, those are our $1,000 PC builds at the moment. You can probably comment and let us know which one you think ended up actually being the better buy overall. Um, pretty similar really yeah i think if we had a, a, a much larger budget there'd be some different conversations to be had so maybe we'll do something like that in the future when there's another okay. sort of slower news week and mm-hmm. not as much to talk about we'll choose some sort of different budget and make a pc but yeah we all have the same data right like i look at your reviews to choose components for this build and i'm sure you look at your own reviews so, so uh, yeah it would have been funny if we had to pick the exact same thing uh, that would have yeah. not made for the most interesting content, but we were pretty close, but yeah, there was a few important changes. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the other not-so-interesting things <laughs> that have been happening in my week and your week. Stuff that's been happening this week, um, honestly, not that much. I've been watching it... I've been watching a TV show that I want to talk about, but I haven't seen the final episode yet. And okay. I think whether or not I like the final episode will determine whether I bother talking about it and recommending it to people okay. because it's, it does sort of hinge on, you know, everything's building up to the last episode. We'll see what happens there. So I'll come back and talk about that next week. This week I wanted to talk about the fact that I upgraded my phone and I bought the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold, not Z Fold, Z Fold 5. So the new folding phone from Samsung, which was ludicrously expensive like most people probably wouldn't buy a folding phone and i thought that i would try it out so the reason why i want to buy a folding phone is not just because i saw linus using one it's because when i'm in my house which is separate to this studio so my studio's got all my like pc gear and stuff when i'm in my house sometimes i want to use a computer i have to bring out my laptop and i don't really like using my laptop and there's nothing i really need a laptop for like i'm not editing videos on a laptop in the mm-hmm. house. I'm not putting documents together or looking at spreadsheets and stuff. Usually I'm just like browsing the web or maybe I need to do some like internet banking or something or like I'm just, you know, 
watching a YouTube video or watching sports or something while I'm doing something else. And my laptop, it just felt like it's kind of this pointless device. Like it's big, it's cumbersome, it's battery life isn't amazing. It is still like, it's an Asus ZenBook. So it's a good, it's a reasonably performant laptop. It's Mm -hmm. portable, things like that. But I just found myself not really using it that much, but still wanting more screen real estate from my phone so that let's say I'm sitting on the couch and you've messaged me something that's like a graph or something. You're like, does this product look good? And I'm sort of, you know, I don't want to run back to the studio and run numbers. I can have on the, my phone screen side by side your message and a calculator mm-hmm. or other research and have that side by side, which is not great on just a normal uh, phone form factor. So I bought a folding phone and I quite like it, honestly. I was, it's kind of a weird form factor where it's got this like thin front bezel. I'm sort of showing this to the camera, but you don't need this context, but it's like thinner than a normal phone at the front. Um, but then obviously you can open it up to the full big form factor. Okay. So yeah, I, there's obviously a few drawbacks, like it is thicker and heavier than a normal phone. There are some apps that don't work super well with this sort of folding thing. Like some apps won't automatically change size or don't allow resizing, which kind of doesn't work super well. But given that this is like the fifth generation phone from Samsung, it works surprisingly well. There's a lot of good software features in it for doing side-by-side apps. It's very polished. It's not most, the vast majority of apps that I use do support things like side-by-side apps or switching formats and things like that, which I guess wouldn't have been the case if I bought a first-gen version. So yeah, so far it's been a success. The downside was it did cost like 2,500 Australian dollars, which is a ludicrous amount to spend on a phone. I got like a few pre-order bonuses, like trade-in bonuses and things like that, which made it a little cheaper in the actual price that I paid. But still, it was it's an expensive phone. Like it's mm-hmm. phone should not cost two and a half thousand Australian dollars. So that's that's no. I've had it for about a month now. So I thought I'll, I'll wait until I've got a few more like impressions of using it before I talk about it. But yeah, I quite like it. It's been a good upgrade, I think. Okay. Yeah, well, I think I paid just over $2,000 for the uh, S23 Ultra when I ordered that. It's the, I think, one terabyte version. And I'm, I've been right. happy with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, so you got more storage. I think mm-hmm. I only got the, I got the 512 gig version because I don't really I'm use tons of phone storage. Sure, I'm not using anywhere near it, but, you know. Hey, tax write-off. That's right. But, yeah, I mean, so I, just for context, I upgraded from a Galaxy S20 uh plus i mm-hmm. think not the mm-hmm. ultra but the plus so my phone was about what are they up to now the s24 so i believe it's like four generations old so it is faster it's got a high refresh rate screen or i think the previous one was 120 hertz but couldn't turn down the refresh rate in some applications so the battery life wasn't as good the battery life is surprisingly good despite having a big screen so it's about it's similar to my s20 um, at launch so obviously the battery is degraded over a few years, so battery life is better now. But similar to the launch of a different form factor phone when it came out, I think it's a win for me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just find myself using the features. So sort of a good experiment. I thought if I don't like it, I'll just swap it out for something else. I'll return it with Samsung, get something different. But, no, I think i keep it. I think it's been good. Okay. What's been happening in your week? What's been happening in my week? Obviously, just been working, doing that sort of stuff. Um, when I haven't been working, mostly just dad-related stuff. So, dad stuff. Yeah, dad stuff. Had to play a bit of basketball this week, so it was good to get a bit of exercise in. Can't say I'm quite there yet, but as I said, I'm getting better. I'm not as sick as I was. So, but yeah, just 
a bit of shortness of breath and stuff like that from uh from having influenza otherwise nothing too crazy i haven't worked at all on the custom monitor mount thing for my desk so that's that project's been on pause for two weeks now hopefully i better get back into that next week but i've just been catching up on work to be honest we've had that much on over the last little bit so yep. we've got q a week coming up before too long so that'll be probably the week where i finish that off get it all done no, it's been a pretty quiet week. I mean, like just generally, most of the stuff that we're expecting to be released this year has been released. Now, there'll mm-hmm. probably be some Intel CPUs 14th gen, but again, we sort of talked about how it's not going to be that exciting. I wouldn't have thought, not that I know what the products are at this point, but we're expecting it to just be a refresh. We're not really expecting any other GPUs, I would have thought. There's probably the opportunity for an NVIDIA to do like a 4050 and AMD to produce a lower end GPU, but we're not doesn't seem like that's in the pipeline necessarily. So it it seems like the rest of the year is just mostly going to be, there's a lot of game launches. Obviously, we've got like Cyberpunk 2.0 version with Phantom Liberty coming up at the end of this month that we're sort of having to think about what we're going to do for testing there. And then plenty of other games as well. Um, New Assassin's Creed, there's like Alan Wake 2. I think there's another Ubisoft game I'm forgetting. A couple of like bigger potentially graphically intensive GPU intensive tiles to test. It's mostly about gaming, I would have thought, the rest mm-hmm. of this year. And obviously just the end, typical end of year, like best product updates and things like that. So yeah, a bit, bit different to some previous years where there's sort of been that bulk of stuff that's coming up in like a November or something like that. doesn't seem like we're getting that this year, which I think will be a bit cruisier. Yeah, it might be, might be nice, to be honest. Might be nice. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I know there's a few things coming up. But uh, yeah, they're more like you know AMD Threadripper type stuff, and nothing that's of course Threadripper. I'm forgetting like FSR three as well, which is still yet to to launch, which will be something I'll have to cover. Uh, FSR three um, probably, maybe, could be potentially coming this year. Oh, well, they said they said it would come this fall or whatever in the US, but knowing AMD, I mean, yeah, could, that could mean anything. It doesn't. Like I haven't got any information about it, so it doesn't sound like it's coming like imminently. So it's not like I'll be testing it right now, which again is probably why it wasn't in a game like no. Starfield. But again, get this out, guys. Seriously, it's been yeah. like a year since sus- you announced it. I suspect you'll have to cover DLSS 4 before you uh, get to FSR 3. <laughs> uh, possibly. Well, there's a new DLSS version to test before it for sure because yeah. obviously DLSS 3.5 is coming out very soon. So mm-hmm. I will almost certainly be testing that first, mm-hmm. um, which is, I don't know, interesting. But yeah. That's sort of things I have to sort of think about. But, yeah, hopefully a bit of a, a cruisier end of the year, get out more in the garden and stuff. I have a few more garden updates on the things I've been planting and things like that as they start sprouting and all that. So yep. we'll give some updates there. Nothing to report now. Still just got dirt. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, still having dirt is good. It'd be a concern if, you'd, if your dirt had gone missing. So I'm glad you still have all the dirt. No dirt thieves in my okay. neighborhood, which yeah. is good. There's probably a few other things they could steal that aren't the dirt. So mm-hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> there's that. But um, yeah, so probably is going to wrap up this podcast. Um, yeah, as I said, not too much has been happening in the news. But yeah, over the over the journey, we'll be doing a few other interesting topics. We'll have some, maybe some like listener mail type episodes, a sort of more Q&A like, and obviously we'll try to get some guests on at some point as well. So yeah, a variety of things for the Hard Run Box podcast. But for now... That's it for this one. If you do want to subscribe to the Hardware Box podcast channel to get this in your inbox every week, then please consider doing that. We're also on all your favorite audio platforms if you're not already listening through there. So if you want to Apple Podcasts it or Spotify or I don't know what other apps people use. The other ones. Um, 
the the other ones there's like 500 of them mm-hmm. so yeah anyway get on it um that's pretty much it though it's been good to chat has been and, always enjoy yeah it. and we'll be back in the next one so thanks everyone for watching and yeah see you in the next one Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.